Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 6 in Edmonton, Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen in on the Friday edition of Oilers Now. It's brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Coming up at 1.35, we're going to ESPN Radio in Seattle, linking up with Andy I to get the latest on the buzz around the Kraken, how that's being received in the Pacific Northwest Of course, Ethan Bear, graduate of the Seattle Thunderbirds program, a big part of the Oilers' success this year, a big part of their blue line now and likely into the future. Was that expected? We'll talk to Andy Ide about that, but not before we go to Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. He's on our River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. Jack, appreciate you jumping on, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and as far as Ethan Bear is concerned, I, I wouldn't say expected this soon. Uh, I think there was certainly hope that he and Jones were going to be some hidden jewels out of that two, 2015 draft class. Of course, that was McDavid's year. And Baron Jones, though, I remember on draft day, you know, there, there being some excitement about you know, getting those guys in the fourth and fifth rounds. I, I do remember that, and I'm not just saying that because they've turned out to be more than respectable NHL contributors. But as far as, you know, this important this soon, I think we're talking about two guys who are going to be in the top six next year. You know, without a doubt in my mind either. And just for the sake of prep today, I was looking back at that draft as well, Jack. And there were some other players, you know, Troy Terry and even Dimitro Timoshov as went right behind Ethan Bear. There were still some options for the Oilers on the table there. And they went with, uh, obviously, a couple of pretty darn good ones. But, Jack, the story of the hockey world right now is that it has been on pause both last night and today. I'd like to just give you the floor and, and have your opinion on sort of what the statement by the NHLers has been over the last couple of days. Well, I think what's most impressive is that this is player-driven. 
I, I think the players were the ones who really drove this through the process, both at the NHL and the NBA levels. I think when you're a league and you're tied to some very important corporate partners, it's harder to take a stand. Uh, the players have the power in this instance. Uh, they're wealthy enough to have kind of a platform where they can afford, you know, in other words, they can afford to take a game or two. They can afford to take some risks. And when you're at the elite of the elite, that's where you have the most power. And I think the athletes recognize this. And, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't think it was fair to the players necessarily to be hard on the fact that there were games on Wednesday night. I mean, what were the players supposed to do? They Most of them probably didn't hear until they were well into game prep. I mean, obviously, uh, the Islander-Flyer game was already underway. Uh, the Bruins are, you know, changing in the dressing room probably when, when they start learning about this. I mean, there wasn't enough time. I, I feel like the players did a nice job of coalescing, not rushing into this, and creating the platform that they would find most effective without necessarily having to worry about, you know, league-wide concerns in terms of corporate partnerships, they kept that out of it. And that's what I was really impressed with. And and obviously, the sheer numbers uh, behind Ryan Reeves indicative of the fact that this not only player-driven but seems to be close to unanimous in terms of support from the players for the players. And uh, that's what I'm going to take away from this. I don't know that it would have been as universally supported if it was a longer-term holdout, but because they were able to sort of highlight a couple of days here and then reset the schedule for the weekend, it wasn't like the whole thing was a complete upheaval um, for very long, right? Because to to me, the message would start to diminish without them in the spotlight. you got to be on the ice to be in the spotlight. So that would be the counter-argument, I suppose, to what they've done. And, Jack, you know... Well, I mean, the only thing with that, Brandon... The only thing with that is you take a look at the leagues and especially in terms of social engagement and, you know, who follows the league, you know, websites, Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts, and the players' numbers dwarf that. So I would say this. I wouldn't mind it. I mean... In other words, what, I, what I'm most appreciative of is the fact that this is player-driven and does not seem to be, you know, any sort of roots tied to the league. But I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I don't know whether if you leave the bubble. I mean, I don't think you necessarily have less power. And if you, if you look at what the paying public and the fans, you know, follow in terms of what they're – viewership habits, their impressions, whatever uh, marketing term you want to use, the numbers would indicate the players are far more popular than the league. 
and the players are the ones saying, and I'll, I'll put this in the context of the NBA, for example, but, you know, things like having uh, Black Lives Matter stickers on the floor, uh, things like wearing a particular article of clothing with a message on it for warm-up, um, this is the stuff that was granted, say, four, five, six months ago when the original push was coming, and here we are again, and this time they're saying that's not enough. So, uh, to that effect, I think that that's sort of what you're, you're getting at when you're talking about maybe the corporate uh, ties that the league itself is not necessarily willing to uh, rattle the cage of, whereas the players, it's less... It's uh, harder for leagues to do it. The players have the power because they are the talent. They are the talent that make up the league. And and look, this is, you know, some some are, you know, talking about this as extreme or whatever. You know what's extreme giving up three and a half years of your own career in the heart of your prime. And that's what Muhammad Ali did in 1967. And I'm not sure that America isn't in a similar spot as it was in the late 60s. There's some things quite now, quite frankly, that are broken in my home country. And I think 50 years later, we're in a very similar spot as to what we were in the late 1960s. But now, if you're, if you want to find out what real sacrifice is, you know, do some study on on what Muhammad Ali did in his prime earning years, where he was not only the unquestioned champion. I mean, no one was close. He'd run out of challengers, and he would have had the floor to himself. For three and a half years in his absolute prime, 25 to 28. And he walked away for a stance on the Vietnam War. So when people, you know, complain about missing a couple of days of hockey, I mean, put it into context. Like, it's, it's really incredible to me uh, when, you, when you put it in the context of history, you know, what guys like Ali... And others. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pointing out Ali because he's one of my favorite athletes. And Nazim Kadri obviously was wearing a, a sweatshirt as an homage to, to Muhammad Ali. But that's something to really think about when you're talking about what this stance is in a greater context of what athletes have done in years past. Chatting with Jack Michaels, the voice of the Oilers on the Oilers radio network. And Jack, that was basically uh, a quality response to a lot of what I'd been seeing on the text line over the last couple of days, which is in essence, you know, first of all, separate sports and politics. And secondly, you know, these guys should just just, you know, go play your sports. This is this isn't your your fight to fight. And uh, to me, I mean, like you just kind of exemplified that Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, um, probably known as much for his his humanitarian you know presence in that sense is that fair to say as he was for well, a dominant I don't, I don't athlete i don't know whether i'd go that far i'm just what what i'm trying to illustrate though is look you know people always say well you know stay in your lane and stick to sports well these athletes only have you know a 10 or 12 year window and actually the average is far less than that but even your elite stars are talking, you know, a 15-year career. While you have this platform and while you are in the spotlight, I think what these athletes have realized is 
it's incumbent upon them to take advantage of that, not solely for personal gain, not solely for personal contract services, but to potentially, you know, make an impact that will have reaching effect far and beyond that. And I, in a greater context, it would not be out of line for me to suggest that Muhammad Ali's stance was a significant pebble in the tide turning against the Vietnam War in the United States. There is no question about that. Because in 1967, there wasn't much opposition to the war in Vietnam. But Muhammad Ali's sacrifice triggered a, you know, a pattern. And, and you could argue one way or the other whether it was a lack of law and order in America in, in late 67 and 68. But the bottom line is it changed the whole country's attitude towards an international war. And I, I think the players in today's day and age are understanding that some things in North America – you know, do need to be affected in a positive way. Because much of what has gone on for the last three or four years, I haven't seen as a real positive, except potentially in the stock market. And ultimately, I'd like to think that the continent is more about just money. Chatting with Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. Well, that's... I'm really getting deep. I mean, Brendan, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know what? It's not a fun conversation necessarily, Jack. But I, I'm glad to have your voice on speaking. I know you're a big boxing fan, and and hence I, I wholeheartedly understand your opinion of of Muhammad Ali in that sense. But I also know that you grew up in the Pennsylvania area, uh, following the Penguins, and they acquired Kasperi Kapanen back in exchange for a 2020 first rounder. Uh, thoughts on that move by Jim Rutherford? Well, I mean, the Penguins are in a situation where they're going to need an Ethan Bear or Caleb Jones-type pick uh, in these upcoming drafts because they've got a lot of late-round picks. I mean, I don't think they're picking until round four. So, you know, they've made a lot of moves thinking they had a chance to build on those two cups and perhaps turn them into four or five. And I can think of another Penguins era where they were thinking the exact same thing. And they never won that third. Their best chance, well, their best chances were 93. David Bullock ended the greatest Penguin season ever in terms of regular season. And then in 96, when a hapless Florida club upset, you know, a tremendously powerful Penguin squad. So, you know, they mortgaged a bit of their future. And they're thinking their window is still open for another couple of years. And that's why this move was made, uh, to ignite a little bit more offense in the bottom six. But it's a calculated gamble because a lot of people familiar with the Pittsburgh Penguins feel that while on paper they might have a stronger roster, those parts are not fitting together as seamlessly as they once did. And a lot of people were not happy with a move that sent uh, Dominic Cahoon out of there and brought back Connor Sherry, who, in fairness, had played for one of those cup teams. But there's some people unhappy with some of the moves the Penguins made at this past deadline. They felt like they were rolling along and didn't need 
to trifle with their chemistry. Almost as though they're, uh, you know, pushing too hard to, to try and capitalize on what's left of of the window. Now, they've got two goaltenders, and one of which I imagine is going to shake loose. Um, the question becomes, in my mind, to you, do, is Matt Murray a tremendous upgrade for the Oilers in net? Uh, because he is such a polarizing player, uh, both in my own opinion and from what I'm getting as feedback over the course of the week on the show. Is he going to be worth the Oilers really taking? In a deep dive, or or a Jari, for example. I mean, are either one of these guys, you know, a real uh, a real factor in Ken Holland's immediate future? Do you think, or because of the emergence of someone like a Hudobin and maybe more of a veteran sort of lower uh, price range, uh, that that might be the route that they take? What do you think? Well, I think anything that starts with lower price range is going to be more appealing because goaltending is not the only hole you've got to deal with. I mean, there's some other things that that the Oilers have to look at. And I think, you know, Ken Holland recognizes he's not reinventing the wheel. He's not bringing seven or eight new guys in, but he might need to bring in, he might need to bring in three or four, you know, a couple of complimentary pieces, you know, in the, in the Josh Archibald, Riley Shan type of mold. In fact, a replacement for Shan might be on that docket where you're going to need a couple million here and there, you know, to fill those holes. So I don't think you can go out and spend four or five million on a goaltender and have, you know, nine, nine and a half million tied up in goaltending. I just don't think, I don't think that's the route Ken Holland's going to go at all. So I think if there's a veteran out there, that's a bit of an upgrade or a perceived upgrade that's younger and, you know, at a at a cost feasible scenario, then I then I think that's Ken Holland is more inclined to go. Do you believe that Anton Hudobin specifically has sort of played his way into this conversation? Well, I mean, I think Hudobin is a is a quality veteran goaltender. I think you know you you consider what Mike Smith was, and you you basically got that. Uh, I don't know whether you have necessarily more than that, but I think you I think you've got someone of comparable skill who's a bit younger. And you know, the other thing you've gotta the other thing you've gotta realize is, you know, it's 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 not necessarily um a given that it opens you know, I mean we don't know what's wrong with transition. I mean maybe it becomes a priority for the stars. All right, Jack, uh, we appreciate the insight. Getting a little faint on us, but uh, we've gone just about 17 minutes here. So I'll cut you loose, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy tomorrow's games, and we'll chat next week. All right, that is Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, sounds like he hopped in the truck. Voice of the team, 123 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen back in a moment. The Oilers Community Foundation, 50-50 number for half of $14.1 million has been drawn. NHL.com slash Oilers. You'll find the winning number posted there. If you're on Twitter, uh, it's at oil underscore foundation for uh, for the winning number you'll find posted on that front. Um, heard from Jack Michaels. We've heard from Elliot Friedman. We've heard from the players in their uh, meetings yesterday or their it was more of a press availability than a meeting, but as per Elliot's reporting, the Hockey the, uh, Diversity Alliance had uh, just a little over an hour ago, I guess now, they or a little under an hour ago, they started a, a meeting, a conference call, a presentation of sorts out east. That'll happen uh, just as the show gets off the air, about 2.30 this afternoon, Ched time, in the Edmonton bubble as well. In terms of what the next steps are going to be, um, some tangible things that the, the Diversity Alliance can ask for as far far as you know what they want to see changed because that seems to be causing quite a bit of confusion if not frustration amongst some of the fan base here is that um sure they're going to hold out and and now i'm not allowed to watch hockey tonight but what are they what are they even doing this for why does it matter well they're going to assert it sounds like what what exactly they are trying to influence change for on etc uh, over the course of these presentations that's my understanding of it again that's sort of what Elliot was uh, was talking about earlier on still to come we're going to head down to Seattle with ESPN Radio's Andy Ide to get an update on all things Kraken chat about Ethan Bear uh, and then Roddy Ross who is a, a draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers a sixth rounder from 2019 he's a goaltender who had a cup of coffee here in the AJHL and Camrose, but an interesting story as it relates to uh, his First Nations heritage. So excited to chat with Andy about that for sure. Bit of a different tone to today's show, Cody. I mean, we're, uh, I don't know, it's, yesterday was so emotionally charged that today I feel like, I feel like it's a Friday. What do you think? I'm happy that the message is getting across. I think you could agree with me there in that we're getting that feeling of we're making some progress. We're getting the Hockey Diversity Alliance to now let the people know of what are you looking for? Is it arenas to be open for polling stations? Things like that. So I'm very excited to see what comes out of these meetings. As Elliot said, you know, we're not sure if we're going to get all that information tonight, but I mean, very soon we should be hearing more. And that's been the theme of the last couple days for every sports reporter, it seems. We're waiting, and then we'll hear an announcement, and then we'll wait to hear a little bit more. But again, the schedule for tomorrow is now packed up with a triple header. It starts at 10 o'clock Ched time. That is the Bruins and Lightning in Game 4. Lightning with a 2-1 series lead there. And then Game 3 between the Islanders and Flyers. They're deadlocked at a game apiece. That's at 5 o'clock. The nightcap tomorrow. 745 it's game three between the canucks and golden knights we're going off to a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell back with andy eyed from espn radio seattle oilers now with bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on oilers radio 630 chad